Welcome to the Liberty Cafe, where oppression is on the menu. Well, if I'm counting correctly, this is episode 19 of the Liberty Cafe, and I'm very glad that you're here with me. It's also the second episode that we've had Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media as the sponsor. And we're really glad to be in partnership with them. So today I would like to talk to you about how the Texas GOP has missed the revolution. And when I say revolution, I actually mean two revolutions. Let's go back and take a look at the first one in the 1970s. At that point in time, Texas was a democratic state through and through. There was one statewide elected office holder, and that was John Tower. And then Bill Clements won the governorship in 1978. That really started a trend. For the first time in the Texas State House, we had a Republican leader. And over the years, that just grew and grew. Clayton Williams ran, should have won, but lost to Ann Richards in 1990. And then in 1994, George W. Bush led a influx of Republican officeholders that really signaled the takeover of state government. The Texas Senate followed in 1996, the Texas House in 2002. And from that time forward, the Texas legislature and all statewide officeholders who were elected have been Republicans. The problem is that while Texas had an opportunity for a revolution over the last 18 years, a conservative revolution, the record of Texas GOP on this is decidedly mixed. I think Texas has been perhaps the the best among the big states when it comes to conservative policy, but yet it has missed many opportunities that came along during these last 18 years. On the the good side, we've seen Texas reject Medicaid expansion, has done a good job of clean air regulation, has allowed oil and gas exploration. Property rights is pretty good, but mixed. Abortion, we've been pretty strong on that. But then on the negative side, we've seen a rapid expansion of government and government spending, both at the state and local level. We've seen renewable energy take over the state. Corporate cronyism has also taken over the state. We have unaccountable local governments today. Property taxes have continued to skyrocket. There's been no meaningful school choice in this state, and public education has continued to erode and head towards the left. Higher education has gone that way as well, and including Texas A&M, which was once sort of a bastion of conservatism among higher education institutions. Gun rights has been mixed, and then open meetings and open records have just been miserable. It's very hard often to get secrets out of the government. Now, don't get me wrong. We are better off today in Texas than we would have been if Democrats would have been in charge. That's not quite so clear at the national level, but here I think it is clearly. But I do believe that the Texas GOP has missed an opportunity to turn the last 18 years into a revolution for liberty. After we've missed that opportunity at a revolution, the Democrats have taken every opportunity that has come their way, particularly over the last 12 years. Some of those when they were in charge, and more recently, of course, when they're not in charge. We've seen that with gay rights in terms of gay marriage, transgender rights, 
gay civil rights, so to speak, has become a cottage industry. Higher education, there's basically no more free speed on campuses. There's no diversity, complete federal control. The Federal Reserve has just taken basically complete control of the economy. Regulation of business is just going out of control. Runaway spending, both Republicans and Democrats. And then, of course, most recently, we've seen the Russia hoax and the coup attempt against Trump. And so that brings us really to today. There is plenty to talk about at the national level. We've seen the race riots and the COVID panic and setting the stage for a real coup against Trump if he wins in November. I think this tells us that we have a real revolution on our hands. But I want to focus on Texas and how the Texas GOP has responded to this revolution that they are facing. It's like they don't even know the revolution is taking place. I want to listen real quick to a clip from a Gil Scott Heron song in 1971. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Mr. Heron had it right if he was looking forward 50 years into the future. The revolution is not being televised. It, it is live, and it's where everybody can see it. Yet it's it's unclear that sometimes that the GOP in Texas, and nationally as well, but the GOP in Texas can actually see that and respond to it in the way it needs to be done. Instead, what it seems the GOP is focused on here in Texas is the vote total from 2016 and 2018. Back in 2016, Trump took Texas by only 9%. It was one of the lowest margin states that Trump had in his victory, as opposed to back a few years when Romney beat Obama by almost 16 percent and McCain beat Obama by 12 percent here in Texas. So that narrowing of margin, I think, scared some Republicans, but it was really the 2018 election that really caught their attention. In that election, Ted Cruz won by only 1.6 percent. Greg Abbott by 13 percent. He was the outlier. Dan Patrick by only 5 percent. In Paxton by 3.5%, and then again, Glenn Hager jumped up the numbers a little bit by 10%. I think what we have seen in the Texas GOP since 2018 is not a desire to go out and fight against our opponents. Instead, it's fear. It's a hunkering down. They, They fear losing the 2020 election, since, of course, that would mean they would lose their offices. And so I think a lot of the GOP has responded by just ignoring the revolution that is live on TV and in our lives, and instead decided to act basically like the Democrats. Do nothing controversial that would anger soccer moms. And how did we see that? In 2019, during the legislative session, the number one priority for Texas Republicans was not limiting abortion, expanding gun rights, eliminating problems with eminent domain, 
Instead, it was more spending, particularly more education spending. But spending overall went up much more than it had in recent years. A lot of that spending was focused on teacher pay raises, and it was only almost an afterthought that we saw property tax relief of any significant matter that was brought to the table, and that was really after the grassroots had rebelled. And of course, since that time, we've seen a COVID response in Texas that really looks a lot like a lot of the blue states, including the state cooperating and even enabling local Democrats to run roughshod over their residents. The problem, though, and the misreading, I think, the the state GOP is that their problem isn't soccer moms. Their problem is that they're facing a revolution and a divided populace like America hasn't seen since the Civil War. And appeasing the enemy by proposing Democrat-like agenda just won't solve the problem. If you look back in history, appeasing the left has always led to GOP losses. The only thing that will solve the problem is taking the fight to the left, acting like Bible-believing Christians and conservatives, and proposing a conservative agenda. So I'd just briefly like to go over a few things that I've put together, which I call the Liberty agenda. It's seven points. And the main thing about the liberty agenda is that it is designed to hit at those points that will cripple the other side. Now, none of these are easy, but I've seen plenty of examples of legislation that had no chance of passing when it was filed. Yet, because of hard work and intelligence, and particularly a lack of fear, a willingness to go to battle no matter what the odds or consequences, I've seen bills like that pass. Listen to these and please don't dismiss them because it seems like some pie-in-the-sky sort of solution. They may be difficult, but unless we implement measures like these, we simply aren't going to be able to combat our opponents on the left. The first one is a zero-growth budget for state and local governments. In Texas, for some time, along with other states, we have had a tax and expenditure limitation. And these were put in place, of course, by elected officials. And when they put them in place, they put them in place in a way that made them easy to get around or easy to spend a lot of money, even though they were in place. And that's, in fact, what has happened. The Texas Public Policy Foundation, over the last few years, had what is known as a conservative Texas budget. And that had some impact on things and, I think, slowed spending. And it basically said that, or you can't increase spending by more than population growth and inflation, or else you're not being conservative. But if we allow spending to increase at population growth and inflation, we're actually losing the battle. I don't know of any solid conservative who doesn't think that government isn't already too big. And so if it grows any, then that's just taking it in the wrong direction. What we need to go is back the other way. And I'd love to do that, but why don't we start with a zero growth budget that government can't grow any bigger. They can't spend any more money. And if they get more money through taxes, they don't increase taxes, but that just brings them more revenue, well, you just give it back to the taxpayers so that there is zero growth in government spending. The next thing I suggest that we need to do is eliminate home rule cities. Uh, Texas has what's called a Dillon rule for counties, where counties can only do what the state tells them they can do. And it used to be that way for cities as well. But back in 1912, Texas amended its constitution to allow for home rule cities, which basically says that that cities can do whatever they want to do unless the states tell them they can't. And that has totally disrupted the balance of power between the state and the cities. Because the cities do whatever they want to do, and the states can't. The state can't muster the political will to stop them. 
And so we've seen runaway local governments in Texas over the last number of years, and that's most obviously manifested itself in the response of local governance to the COVID-19. The next thing I want to suggest is that we end corporate cronyism. Until recently, it was illegal for governments in Texas to give money to individuals, whether corporations or, or persons. It violated the gift clause of the Texas Constitution. But then economic development professionals got together and decided that the way to grow the Texas economy was to give money to businesses. And so they passed an amendment to the Texas Constitution. And ever since then, we've been awash in corporate cronyism. And as businesses have gotten a bigger share of their revenue and income from Texas state and local governments, they have gotten more actively engaged in the lobbying effort to grow the size of Texas government. I suggest that today, corporate cronyism may be the biggest threat against liberty we are facing. We've seen that in recent years, for instance, Big Pharma partnering with the federal government on Obamacare. And of course, in in recent years, it's the YouTube and Facebook and Twitter getting into the censorship business based on what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer tell them to do. And of course, the NFL and, and NBA and even, unfortunately, the Major League Baseball have also adopted this culture. And this is all happening because so much of what they want comes from the federal government, state governments, and or from the permissions they want from those governments. The next thing I recommend is that we eliminate eminent domain. Eminent domain came about in this country through a long history where kings built roads, and that comes out of the English common law and the English crown. Yet when that was put into the United States Constitution, there still wasn't a good understanding of economics. And it wasn't until after that that it became clear from an economic perspective the inefficiency of having governments build roads. And it's still inefficient today, but as we see today in the streets with all these riots, having public streets where rioters run over not just the public streets, but the private property along those shows how ineffective the government really is in doing law enforcement on these public streets. Just think how much better it would be if people had to be have permission to be on streets. And that wouldn't be nearly as harmful if they had to get permission from private people rather than the government. Just I know it's pretty radical, but just think about it. I say suggest we also need to eliminate public education for decades and decades, really going back into the 1800s, but it's gotten worse in recent years, the United States of America has turned out generation after generation of children who have grown up on the fodder of the left and, from a biblical perspective, who have failed to know and learn about God and what he has done for us. The same thing could be true for higher education. There's really no reason for government to be involved in K-12 education or higher education, those things would be taken care of through parents and businesses and charities where it needs to be done. And the children would be getting a much better education. Another recommendation for Texas is that it needs to stop taking federal money. About 36% of the Texas budget, this biennium, is funded by the federal government. And if you don't think that doesn't control almost everything that Texas does, you're sadly mistaken. The entire growth of the Texas government is driven by 
federal funding and the strings that come along with it. Once we get done with the federal funding and the things we have to spend state funds on in order to satisfy the federal government, there's really not a lot left over for us. And most of those things are not good and healthy for liberty. We need to stop taking federal money in Texas. And finally, we need to have elected officials in Texas uphold their biblical and constitutional responsibilities and tell the federal government that there are things that they're simply not going to do. From a biblical standpoint, this is called the doctrine of lesser magistrates, where their first priority is to obey God and to obey the Constitution of the United States. And when they see laws that violate either one of those principles, and this applies to both Christians and non-Christians, just because you're a non-Christian doesn't give you a pass from obeying God. And so when these magistrates, elected officials, see laws either out of the federal government or in the state that violate their responsibilities under the Bible and the Constitution, it's their responsibility to stand up and say no to those above them. And I think a perfect example of that is abortion. Texas still has on its books a law that says abortion is illegal, but nobody enforces it because of a few men on the U.S. Supreme Court who decided that somewhere in the Constitution, in its penumbras and shadows, that there was this right to privacy and therefore this right to kill babies. The Texas governor, Texas mayors, Texas county commissioners and county judges and state legislators should be standing up to the federal government and just saying no to abortion. Well, I'm glad you joined me today on episode 19 of the Liberty Cafe. And also thanks again to our sponsor, Texas Scorecard and Scorecard Media. And please come visit me at www.excellentthought.net.